0: Let me just say a few opening uh, comments before we look into the Word of God. I want to uh, acknowledge that uh, it's been really quite a momentous uh, weekend um, in my life, in the life of our church. Um, We had a wonderful time down in the old historic church on Friday, and on that occasion, um, I had an opportunity to meet Barbara Russell, who is the historian, town of Brookhaven, and she has presented to our church items that were in a sense, associated with the historic building and the the town of Brookhaven has been uh, sort of housing various historic items from uh, our church history. And uh, she has returned to us, and you'll see down here, we've had this, of course, the pulpit Bible, but we have today on display a communion, I would call it a dispenser. Uh, If you'll notice, I think it was, uh, if you try to pick it up, uh, it it comes detached from the base and it has a little bit of a, a pouring spout on the bottom and you, pull, you push the little button and it lifts up uh, the stopper and then it dispenses the communion juice into the tiny glass uh, cups. And uh, that's part of our history, I guess, it has been used for many, many years, a long time ago. And uh, so anyway, there have been various things and we'll sort of hopefully put those things on display in time and we can again reflect on uh, how much time really has taken place uh, since the beginning of this uh, wonderful work of grace and the gospel here in this area. Let's bow in prayer and again we'll look into the Word. Lord, perhaps there are others like me today who are are weary in body, but we are excited in spirit and we're definitely, Lord, uh, rejoicing in you and in the wonders of your faithfulness and goodness and of your gracious dealings with your people here. Uh, in this area called New Village, and now uh, the village of Lake Grove. So, Father, uh, as we gather, we pray that uh, your spirit might uh, make us uh, alert and focused and filled with attentiveness, Lord, as to what you would want us to reflect on today as from your word. We thank you again, Lord, uh, as we've done so oftentimes uh, from uh, this particular place and uh, just down the street. On Middle Country Road, Lord, your word has been imparted and been proclaimed for all these years now, Lord, 200 years. We give you thanks that we are part of such a rich heritage. We pray that your spirit would help us this day to accomplish even the foolishness of preaching. We pray in his name. Amen. Psalm 100 is our theme in our text this morning, and uh, it's interesting that Edward uh, Romain, the Uh, supervisor, town of Brookhaven, noticed uh, and thought through the implications of what was happening in the world in 1815. Uh, The United States, obviously, was still a very young country. It was in its infancy. And he did notice that, uh, he did note that James Madison was indeed the president at the time. And the population of this surrounding vicinity, and I'm not sure exactly what all that included, but perhaps... um, uh, they had an idea of what all that included, but I read somewhere a statistic that there was about 100 people who lived within this greater vicinity uh, at that time, 1815, instead of about the 10,000 people uh, who reside in the nice uh, village here of Lake Grove now. Is that right, Mayor? Pretty close to that? 11,000. 11, well, okay. Um, in the area of what was called West Middle Island, a church was established with 10 charter members. Now, the names of these members, their last names, are somewhat familiar to us because their names still appear on a number of the streets and roads in our community. Names like Gould, Hawkins, Halleck, Wheeler, Smith, and Overton. These members binded themselves together As followers of Jesus Christ, they were citizens of heaven, meeting together to worship God, to celebrate the gospel, to proclaim the unchanging truth of God's word. And we who are gathered here today, clearly it is beyond question. We are standing upon their shoulders. And our focus this morning could very easily be absorbed in reviewing and rehearsing the accomplishments and the pursuits of these church members and the many other members through the previous generations. But what I'd rather do this morning in our time together is to focus our attention on one person. One person who founded this church, the one person who purchased this church, the one person who owns this church, the one person who governs this church even today. The primary focus of our 200th anniversary of a church as a church is to give all honor and all praise and all glory to our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to acknowledge that His Son, our Savior, is indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He is the one who owns this church. And I want us to work our way through Psalm 100. I want us to think through a couple of questions I've just tried to classify, or bring my thoughts into two different questions that we'll answer. The first question is, on the occasion of this church's bicentennial, what are some reasons as to why we should celebrate the faithfulness of our great God? Sort of a silly question, but the answers I trust will ring true for us. The second question is, what are some fitting or appropriate ways to keep celebrating the faithfulness of our great God on the occasion of this church's bicentennial? as we prepare to move ahead into the third century of our existence. And the first point I'd like to then to answer is, number one, the reasons that we are celebrating God's faithfulness at this church's bicentennial. Now I want to be careful when I uh, don't want to be understood as a person who's just going to dismiss now all the labors, all the sacrificial gifts, and donations that have been made over the years, the efforts of so many charter members, and the long list of members who have entered into covenant with one another here in this wonderful fellowship. Much could be said about them, and maybe tonight we'll say more, and perhaps we'll learn more about them in the future. But in all my reading of the church history that I've tried to pursue these last few weeks, and in all of my 21 years I've been here, I have never read and I have never heard any of these members make this claim that this church belonged to them. I'm thankful to say I think they understood what the psalmist understood. If you look at verse 3, an important reminder. He reminds the people of God, at that time Israel, and we are reminded today as the people of God here in New Village, know that the Lord himself is God, verse 3. It is he who made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so if you look at your notes, I'm going to fill in several blanks there, and I just want to say very clearly, God is the creator. God is the creator of everything. And he made the heavens and the earth, and the reason that we focus our celebration today on God and primarily on God, is because He is the architect. He is the designer. He is the founder. He is the initiator of everything that exists. Which includes, obviously, every member and every person who has been formally affiliated and attending this church. And I like the way that Paul described it in the book of Acts, chapter 17, as he says these very well-worded comments about God and His supremacy and His His ownership of everything because he is the one who has established and originated it all. From Acts 17, verse 24, I'll quote God made the world and everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not dwell in temples made with hands, neither is he served by human hands. Isn't that interesting? God is not served, in other words, He doesn't have to have all of the efforts that we offer to Him in order to get by. He's not dependent on that. He's not served with human hands as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives to all life and breath and all things. So what we're celebrating today is the fact that we have a God who is self-sufficient creator of all things. Now, despite the fact that we were created by God and that God created us for Him, we really are made to be those who love and appreciate and serve God. Despite that, all of us have rejected at some point in our life, starting from earliest time of our life, we've rejected His rightful rule and His rightful kingship. All of us have gone our own rebellious ways. All of us have renounced God's kingdom of light and we have embraced the kingdom of darkness. We like to be our own kings. We like to be our own gods. And if God had dealt with each one of us justly, had God given us and dealt with us fairly in terms of what we deserve, we would all be condemned to eternal punishment. But, God is merciful and God is gracious. And God is not only the creator of all things, but the second thing we want to acknowledge is God is the gracious recreator of his people. He sent his one and only son, who t- became a man who lived a perfect and righteous life, and then he laid down his life on the cross. And according to Acts 20, Jesus Christ purchased with His own blood the church of God. Jesus was raised to life, and thereby He verified for all to see that He successfully completed the payment that God demanded so that we would not bear the just wrath of God. And So Jesus, because He was victorious over death and sin and hell, Sinners like you and me who acknowledge our own sin, who acknowledge how we've rebelled against God, who repent of that sin and place our faith in Christ, we can be delivered from the kingdom of darkness and we can be reconciled to the true and living God, the God who made us for himself and we can truly know and enjoy God. Ephesians chapter 2 celebrates the God's gracious dealings with His people, the church, with these wonderful reminders, that it is by grace we have been saved. Through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. And since there's no boasting of what God has done to recreate us, look at this. He says, for we are, that is, those who are His people, who have been saved by grace, we are His workmanship, We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see, the gospel insists that God saves us on the basis of grace. And a grace that rescues us as we are in all of our mess, in all of our rebellion, in all of our failings, in all of our defiance against God. A grace that reaches down and saves us and then recreates our hearts and imparts to us a new nature. Uh, And it also a nature that reflects this grace in a wonderful way in which we live no longer for ourselves but now we live for Christ. So today as a church we are celebrating the faithfulness of our gracious God. He bought us at such a great cost. We were redeemed from this empty way of life that we had at one time and God did that redeeming and purchasing of us, not with lots of money. No, that wouldn't really be that kind of a costly purchase. He purchased us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, the spotless and blameless lamb who gave himself for us. And that lamb is not only celebrated as the one who paid the price, but then Jesus Christ is celebrated as the one who is the shepherd of the flock that he purchased. It's interesting how that sheep analogy just keeps getting used in different ways. If you look at verse 3, latter part of verse 3 in the Psalm 100, he says, We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. When you talk about a shepherd and sheep, you're talking about someone who owns and cares for them. One who is the protector and the guide. That's the P and the G. Protector and the guide. So he's the creator, the recreator, and now the protector and the guide. So we're celebrating the fact that Jesus is the faithful protector and guide. Anytime you think of a shepherd and you thought about his attentiveness and his care for sheep, we knew that shepherds are those who are skilled at caring for sheep the many, many needs that sheep have. Sheep are always in need of somebody to watch out for them. They're quite unskilled at self-care. And Jesus has led this flock, the flock of New Village, through many changes and many challenges through the years. And we are celebrating today God's gracious protection, God's gracious guidance of his people here. And surely the psalmist, and he wrote about this idea of a shepherd tending for the flock. He had in mind, of course, the experience, I believe, of the children of Israel who were wandering in the wilderness all those years, 40 years. And yet his testimony and reminding of these people is this. He says, God has led you all the way. It is he who who has watched over you. And he has been conscientious in his tenderness, his patience, as they wandered along and as they strayed and as they rebelled against his ways again and again. And so today I want us to just celebrate the fact that Jesus always does what's best for his sheep. That we can keep trusting him as a shepherd. He never leads his people where his grace cannot sustain them. I want to repeat that. Jesus Christ never leads his people where his grace cannot sustain them. In his wisdom, he has used various afflictions down through the years the years of this church family and through the years of each of us and he has used those various afflictions to refine our faith to build the qualities of endurance and long suffering and patience that is his patient guidance as a shepherd and like the children of israel in love he has disciplined us at times he humbles us he wants to know what's in our hearts and he reminds us in his word that the testing of our faith is not to destroy us or discourage us or to cause us just to have a a rough and difficult life. No, the purpose of all testings of our faith is to produce endurance so that we keep on going. As we look back on where God has led this flock on this 200th anniversary, surely it is a time to offer our praise to God for His abiding presence For his wise and providential dealings with his people here. He is indeed the creator, the recreator, the protector, and the guide of his flock, New Village. We give him our praise. We acknowledge him as the one who owns us, who guides us, and protects us. And he will continue to do so. Secondly, and I could go on and on for that point, but I want to move on here through this text of Psalm 100. The second reason we want to focus all praise and glory this morning on God is because, verse 5, of God's abundant goodness. He says, the Lord is good. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, time is not going to permit me to adequately reflect on the numberless ways in which God has been good to the members of this church. I hope that you'll take some time to think about how that's been true of you and you will tell somebody of your own list of ways. And we'll do so tonight as we think about the goodness of God in various ways. But I just want to reflect on a few of them here this morning. Think about it. God has enriched the minds and souls of many people through the years who have been blessed to receive a steady diet and faithful biblical teaching of unfolding the wonderful words of life the scriptures have been taught from this place for 200 years. What a blessing. There have been people around the world who have no copy of the word of God in their language. God has surely been good in that he has used the members of this church as ambassadors who have shared with so many different people in this community the transforming gospel of forgiveness and grace, the new beginnings that can be had in Jesus Christ. Many lives have been changed over the years. Surely, God has shown his goodness by strengthening so many who've come in brokenness and difficulty in their personal lives. How many marriages have been strengthened? How many families have received hope to offset the sin and selfishness that was ripping apart the fabric of their relationships? The list can't even be started. God's goodness surely has been shown in the lives of many widows and hurting people who have seen glimpses of God's benevolent heart through the many acts of kindness carried out by our members here in this place. Many people have enjoyed, of course, the unique dynamics of gospel fellowship where they have brothers and sisters in Christ. Not of blood relatives, but people who are bonds of Christ that join them together. And therefore, they have been able to share in a very rare and wonderful privilege of being able to bear each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. There's no accurate way to measure the impact of the good works performed by so many people, the members of this church and this community down through the years. The people in this locality have seen displayed in many small ways the wonders and the glories of the goodness of our great God. There's much more I could say about that, but I want us to again think of another reason, another reason our hearts are overflowing with thanksgiving to God, is because, in verse 5, his patient, loyal love. We sang about that earlier today, I appreciate that song. Notice it says there in the second line there, his loving kindness, verse 5, is everlasting, his faithfulness to all generations. Now, I hope you're going to agree with me. You don't have to amen this, but you can if you want to. I hope that you would agree with me regarding this statement. The members of this church have never been, are not now, and will not be perfect in this life. We have some, uh, we have some agreement Members of this church have never been, are not now, and will not be in this life perfect people. We have always been and always will remain a flawed people. And yet, we are loved by God. Despite the long list of our failings and our failures, God has patiently maintained his loyalty to his flock here at New Village. He has placed his love upon his bride, his church. He has sealed a covenant he made with her with the blood of Christ. And he has committed, this committed, commitment he has made to his people is a commitment of love, and that love has never failed. That cannot be said for a lot of us in our relationships. But God has never failed in His love. He has never given up on His people here at New Village, even though we, as His people, have not walked faithfully before Him in all of our days. And that needs to be part of the testimony, doesn't it? (laughs) We're not sitting there saying, we are a people who have got our act together. No, we are not. We are flawed people, but we are praising a God who loves us anyway has never turned his back on us. 2 Timothy 2, verse 13 says, If we are faithless, and we are, he remains faithful. Despite the centuries of change that have taken place, God's committed love for his people here at New Village has remained constant. Jesus will never abandon the promise he made 2,000 years ago I will build my church. And the other promise that is so helpful to be reminded of, he continues on to keep today, is I am with you, that is, I am with you, my people, always, even to the end of the age. Some of us know the pain and sadness of people who have made a promise that, oh yes, I'll be with you, I'll be faithful to you, I'll love and serve you, and I'll be there for you. And Those people have walked away from you. Jesus Christ is not like that. Jesus was with the 10 charter members when they started in 1815. He was with his people during the difficulties they have faced down through the time since then to until now, including, as I've read in the history, a time in which the Spanish influenza epidemic swept this area in 1918. And the church clerk recorded in the minutes that the church remained closed for a month. When there were... Who knows how many people, their health was ravaged. People were dying. Jesus has never turned his back. His love has always remained when he was with the people here in this church in the 1930s. When you read the records, the financial hardship was obviously widespread during the time of the Great Depression. And the church, I am told, had a balance of $16.35 in its accounts. And it owed the minister $115. Yet God's love and God's faithfulness saw them through. And it continues on today. His promises were true in 1815. And those promises are still true in 2015. Because why? Because God's love endures. And so therefore, I call us to be a people who celebrate his love, who remain in his love, who keep ourselves in his love. It says in Jude, keep yourselves in the love of God and who rest in his love, who who find great joy and delight in his love. We need to keep celebrating as God keeps loving. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, let's look at point number two here, if we could. Um, let's see, this is going to be an all-day service. Is that what we decided? I don't know. They're looking at me like that may not work. We have a 5 p.m. That's right. We're going to come back at 5 p.m. What are some ways that we can celebrate God's faithfulness on the occasion of this, this bicentennial? I just have a couple of comments here. could make much more of this than I, I am, but I'll just point out from Psalm 100. First of all is to keep on joyfully serving God and singing to god out of a heart of gratitude look at that verse 2 serve the lord with gladness don't you like that serve the lord with gladness come before him not just with singing but joyful singing we need that don't we god saved us so that we might serve him yes so that we might serve those around us yes but we don't serve him And we don't just do these things out of a mere obligation and a sense of duty alone. We are commanded to do these things, but we do it in response to His gracious dealings with us in the gospel. As we think about and celebrate how He's rescued us, how He's redeemed us, how He's recreated us, how He owns us, how He's claimed us, how He puts His love upon us and adopted us by faith. So the more we celebrate Jesus, and we think through the wonders of how Jesus has elevated us when He redeems us to be not just His children, but we also are given the privilege of being His priests. And as priests, therefore, we are to bring offerings to Him. And the privilege of being New Covenant believers, we then bring those kinds of appropriate offerings, not like in the Old Testament when they brought sacrifices and brought things that were bloody and all sorts of dead animals and things. But look at Hebrews chapter 13, page 1433 in your pew Bible. Hebrews 13. We are given the privilege of being priests. That is, we can come directly to God. We're not looking for someone to, to be a go-between, or, but we have the privilege of celebrating and singing directly to God and bringing to Him what? Continually offering up, verse 15 of chapter 13, Continually offering up sacrifices of praise to God. There it is, sacrifices. What kind of sacrifices? Praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. Thanking God, thanking God, thanking Him again for all of His blessings, for all of His grace, for all of His goodness. And then he says also, not neglecting to do good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So the idea of doing good and sharing with other people is part of the same thing we're offering to God. That's part of our collective worship that we bring to Him. The worship that we offer to God is not only with our lips, it's with our life. And as we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, it's just as much a way of worshiping Him with our singing as well as with our praying. We are to help believers who are in need And in so doing, we're helping Jesus. Hearts that overflow with thankfulness to God express that that gratitude to God in many ways. We express it in our lips as we did this morning, singing with these songs and and celebrating together. We also do so with hands that are offering to assist other people and teaching the word and offering to help those in need. Our service to God is not limited by what takes place in this building. I hope you hear me say that. The ministry that we offer as a response to the wonders of God's gracious goodness to us is that which we do to Him. We offer our service to Him in where we live, where we go to school, in our community, in our homes. Indeed, when we think about it, as we leave this place, we continue to worship the Lord as we live for Him and serve Him in everything we do. It's not limited just to this locality. And that leads me now to my second point, which very much is associated or related to this and really the, outfruit, the outgrowth of that point. Secondly, and this has to do with verse 1, we need to keep on honoring God by proclaiming locally and globally the gospel of Jesus Christ out of hearts that are grateful and full of gratitude. The psalmist, and he writes here in verse 1, shout joyfully to the Lord, notice what he says, all the earth. It goes beyond Israelites. He's thinking of all of the people of the earth. And so what we notice here is that the heart of the psalmist is to see the whole world join in worshiping and celebrating God and giving Him the worth he deserves. And I'm thankful to say that this church has had a joyful participation in gospel proclamation locally and globally for many, many years. It's part of almost the DNA of our church. Early records I found bear witness to this pattern. I read earlier that in 1870, the annual report notes that the church at that time was made up of 42 members, and of those 42 members, they had collected on that particular occasion $12.29 $12.29 for home missions. I love the fact it's $0.29. Cents. That means they got a couple of those big copper pennies, right? That's what they used to use back then. Uh, it was $12.29 for home missions, which means work of the gospel being done there in that particular area, and $8.15 for foreign missions. The year is 1870. These people in this small little place at that time, known as New Village, have got a global vision for God and His glory. And so the church, sacrificially, has supported various missionaries, not just spending all of their resources on the work here, but supporting the long, for many years, Herbie Murata, who went and took the gospel and ministered in Japan for a number of years, which, by the way, was done in response to the fact that this country had attacked this country and was an enemy of this country, and yet they saw the need for these people to know Christ. And the love of Christ compelled Herbie Murata with the support of this flock to faithfully serve and sow the gospel seeds there. And Ted Olson was sent to Ecuador and supported by this church. And Nancy Davis was with the Bible Club Movement for over 50 years, sent out and supported by this church. And on and on it goes. We've sent out people from our own fellowship and have supported them as a sending church saying, we believe that God is sending forth people to labor for him, including not only Nancy Davis, but Peter Wolfing, who currently serves with SIL. It was Karen Cortez Perez who was sent out years ago in the 90s, and God has other plans for her now. as She's here still serving Christ here in this place. But countless of our own members have been called into ministry and who serve in various roles and pastors and various church leaders. Countless of our own members have served as evangelists, sharing the gospel with our co-workers, our families, with our relatives and our neighbors and our friends down through the years. And Some of us perhaps have become discouraged by thinking, well, so many of the young folk are no longer here. I think of my own kids, how I miss them, and I think, well, I wish they could live on Long Island. Well, it's not as easy as it used to be. And God has placed all sorts of folks in different localities all around this nation and all around the world. But listen to this perspective I came across written in 1898 by a fellow by the name of Lewis Gould. Now you say, you could either get discouraged saying, well, people, as we labor here, things don't stay here. They, God tends to move people on. Listen to his perspective. Quote, Living as we do, where there are few facilities for trade. What's he saying there? There are not that many opportunities for commercial uh, employment in this area. It has not been our privilege to build up a large church home, but rather to train up the youth in this quiet village, striving to lead them to active, earnest Christian life, and then to see them go out to fill places of usefulness and trust. In the church and in the world. If God needs them there, then it is well if we perform this work in quiet submission to the Master's will, hoping and praying that the Holy Spirit will so use them in these wider fields and that their good influence may be felt even to the end of time. What a perspective! And you think about it, our church has done that. I've seen it happen in the last 20 years. How many people have we sent off this island? <laughs> and they, we used to call Pennsylvania the promised land, right? It's, that's where everyone was going. We, we have a, by the way, there's a southern, another church over there. There's a new village church there in the Mechanicsburg area of Pennsylvania. But do we say to ourselves, oh, that's no good, it's terrible? No, we see the sovereign hand of God and we celebrate the fact that we labor to win people to Christ. We disciple them. And then we say, oh, okay, Lord, you send them wherever you want in your harvest field. Because why? Because there is a harvest that is plentiful and the laborers are few. And therefore, we are those who affirm again and again and again, it is our privilege as those who have received the gospel to be those who are sharing the gospel, wherever God assigns us, wherever God sends us. We're not just here to see ourselves enriched. We realize there are many people who need to know Christ locally and globally. And therefore, we continue to give. We continue to pray. We continue to say, Lord, send forth labors into your harvest field. Now, what do we say of all this? Well, let me summarize by this way. I have just begun to scratch the surface, just scratching the surface, of a way of reflecting on the faithfulness of our God to this flock here at new village and i just want to say this if it is really true that god indeed is faithful as we have i think laid out a fairly good foundation of many reasons why we can say so so what if he is faithful then i say trust him if he is faithful surrender to him rely on his promises Act on them. Be confident in His grace. Be confident in His goodness. Be confident in His love, no matter what. And lastly, I say, if God is faithful, keep serving Him with gladness. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, Lord, I feel as though it's been an injustice to to not go on and on much further to explain your faithfulness, Lord, for we are just so inadequately uh, recording and, uh, and, and recounting all the different ways in which you've shown yourself to be a faithful God. But, Lord, we get, the, we get the idea, and I pray that you would help all of us who are here today to make this sort of like a day in which we pile up a bunch of stones, as it were, on our calendar, where we, we circle this date the date on or close to March the 27th, 2015, is the day where we say we have seen with our eyes and we have heard testimony of the faithfulness of our great God and to see his gracious dealings with his people here at New Village. Therefore, Lord, I pray that all of us would be filled with a greater sense of joyful service to our God and to our King. I pray, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with joyful songs of, sad, of gladness, And I pray that you would help us, Father, to continually celebrate the fact that you are a good God, a God who leads and cares for your people and protects them, a God who is is reliable in your love. You do not abandon your people, and you are faithful in all your ways. Father, I pray that these things that are true about you will work their way into our hearts and help us, Lord, to have a global vision and a, a local vision for your glory in this place and around the world. That many people would come to know you through our faithful witness and our giving and our prayers through our service here lord we pray for the next generation that they might know jesus christ that they might be able to join with us like all the earth and celebrate at your throne bowing down with so many other saints so many of the even the charter members of this church and others lord down through the years who've served you how we long to join with them in worshiping you, our King, and our Lord and our Master, throughout all eternity. Work in our hearts, we pray. And if there's someone here today, Lord, who has never surrendered to Christ, who has never found his recreating work applied to their own hearts, I pray that even today they would respond in faith and repentance toward you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.